Good evening, folks. This is Jay Alejandro, joined by... Maddie. And we are here to give you a new podcast episode, episode number 28 of Our Kids Asleep. How's everyone doing tonight? Whoop, whoop. 28. All right, 28. Oscar, how you doing? Crash. Say something. No, our cat Oscar is not amused by any of this. So we got a couple of things that we wanted to talk about, but mainly I just wanted to touch base with my wife. How you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah? Yeah. It is it is a Tuesday. It's a Tuesday recording for a Wednesday podcast. Yeah. You know, we, we're kind of trying to get those weekend vibes back. Uh, I'm wearing my math hat. Mm-hmm. Uh, proud supporter of the Yang Gang over mm-hmm. here. Just wanted to throw that out there. I'm going to share it on social media. I think it'll be great. For those of you who don't know, Andrew Yang has a hat. Well, he has like a a slogan that spells out the word math, and it's make America think harder. I've made my choice. Sort of his uh, his response to MAGA. Yeah. For any of you folks uh, interested, go and check out Yang Gang. Yang 2020. An- yeah, Andrew Yang 2020.com or Yang 2020.com. Yeah, Yang 2020.com. Okay. That's right. Yeah, we made a donation. We got some swag. We're good to go. You got to put your bumper sticker on your now, car. Now, one thing I got I to gotta throw out there, I know that we didn't want to start with politics necessarily, but mm-hmm. I just wanted to say, even though I'm 100% Yang Gang, if the time comes, I will vote, v- vote blue, mm-hmm. and it will probably be Bernie. You really think so? I would. He would be my second. He would be my I second. I mean, in but, terms of, like, realistic What's actually going to happen, I bet you here. Warren's going to get the nomination. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. And she's going to have to cannibalize all of the other policies that are being created as we speak yeah. on the blue side. So keep an eye out, folks. You know what's interesting, though? I don't know. Did you hear that interview where Andrew Yang said the only person in the whole field that's come up to him to say... I think you're right about the fourth industrial revolution, and I think we really need to do something about that with Joe Biden. Right. Which right. surprised me. And it's, you know, I, I think it's a fairly politician-y kind of move to yeah, say, you know, hey, let's work together on this, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, if he was the only one to reach out, then mm-hmm. he's he's the one who's probably trying to catch on. Yeah. Biden is definitely interested. But um, I would very much rather see Andrew Yang as the president and not as a VP. Yeah. Because as a... Dick Cheney once said, as played by Christian Bale, it's a fairly ceremonial position. Mm-hmm. It's not, uh, there's not a lot going it. on. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> we'll, we'll cover that later. But we were going to talk about something lighter. We uh, actually, Maddie wanted to share a couple of things about Stephen King's latest. Yeah. So, guys, I just finished Stephen King's latest book called The Institute. Um, it just came out last month. Um, and I received it as a birthday gift. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. And um, yeah, I just finished it tonight, actually. And uh, I I literally, I just devoured this book. It you was, read that book in three days. It was really good. Um, and so the Institute is about, um, it's about a boy who is, uh, his name is Luke, and he is like a prodigy. He's like, super intelligent okay and he also has weird things that happen around him sometimes he accidentally moves objects with his mind interesting (laughs) and so he this isn't a spoiler because it happens right at the beginning of the book so this is what the whole book is based on um he is kidnapped out of his bed in the middle of the night and taken to this place called the institute where Mm. he and other children his age um, around his age with similar psychic abilities 
uh, are brought and experimented on. Oh, damn. And it's essentially just about him and his um, and his friends in the Institute trying to figure out what the hell they're going to do and how they're going to get out. So they're trying to escape the whole the, – that's sort no, of the whole narrative? No, that's the or? thing. It's not um, – it feels really hopeless in about the first third of the book. <laughs> um, and and eventually a plan starts to form and um, things okay. start happening. But, but he kind of um, puts you through the ringer, I imagine. Trying yeah, to- it's very bleak for a while and um, just terrifying. Like, you know, it's it's sort of the the idea of like what the Nazis did to, to you know, to Jewish children, you know, particularly children who were twins or with special needs or um whatever other capacity they wanted to experiment on um and sort of a dr mengala kind of feel to some, it some um, you know for the greater good quote unquote okay. and um so um did you know. feel a lot that that it was uh it was drawing on that too much or was no, it distracting no, no. no i don't think so and you really don't I don't want to give anything away, but you really don't understand. You're, you know about as much as the kids know, mm. which they don't know why they're doing this. Like the, the adults there won't tell them anything. I see. They don't really give them any explanations. And if they ask too many questions or if they're too disrespectful or they don't, you know, whatever, they get physically abused. And so it's, you know, there's not a lot of, we don't know anything until pretty later on about why this is happening. Yeah. Um, and it's just the the thing about Stephen King that I like a lot is sort of the um, as things are you know, as things become as things are revealed to you in a very Stephen King way, you know, very um, calculated how he reveals things and why he reveals things when he does. Um, it's um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> he it's. Um, As he's revealing, yeah, he's revealing these stuff. Things. Yeah, or, and you kind of, oh, you kind of understand the cosmic. Everything feels really big in this book, um, mm. and and the scope keeps growing as you find out more. Oh, cool! And so by the end of it, it feels very cosmic and very global. You know, the kids sort of understanding the 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 kids are sort of constantly pushing the boundaries of their abilities and. Um, you know, the adults are constantly underestimating them. And so it's sort of a cat and mouse type of situation where the adults just assume. And I would say that this is an interesting sort of uh, commentary on how adults treat children in the real world, you know, that they're not uh, that they don't have. They're not encouraged. They yeah, don't they, push. Their ideas don't matter. They're not, you know, that kind of thing. Um so I think that that's another interesting sort of thing to take away from this is that kids are, they're not tiny adults. They are children and their brains are growing and we need to help them and teach them. But their, their minds have value and their ideas have value and, you know, they're creative and their personalities are developing and, you know, it just kind of makes you, it's told very much from the point of view of children and mm. it um that's that's sort of a, a wonderful uh unique thing for him to do especially now that he's in his 70s right yeah he's he? he's up there yeah he's he's up there and mm. and uh it's it's a pretty uh bold thing of him to do but uh i think that he's always been able to capture that 
that magic of being a child because he's done that several times. Mm-hmm. Um, but would you say that it's they were calling it a return to form? I don't know what the hell they're talking about because as you were saying, the last couple of books he's put out, you were fairly satisfied with, or would you say that you were kind of? Yeah, I think uh, people are fence? just. I think people are just set in their ways, and they don't like it when pe- authors or whoever artists they know branch out from what they're from what they're normally doing. Yeah, I haven't read everything Stephen King has put out recently or ever but but you've read quite I've read a, few. I've read a fair yeah. few and there are Heather has been criticism of him because he um particularly with the um the Mercedes trilogy mm-hmm. which is very much a crime thriller and I think people were a little bit dissatisfied that it wasn't um a horror, a horror or, story or like or a, a super, twist. it gets supernatural near the end but sort of as an afterthought um and I, do, I, I, I can understand the criticism. Yeah. But at the same time, he's a really good writer. And to just pigeonhole him into one genre is stupid. Right. So <laughs> let him do whatever let he him wants. Let him do it. Let yeah. him, like, 11, 22, 63, not a horror book, a great book. You mm. know, like, come on, man. So I think that's a, that's a moot argument. I think it's lame. So <laughs> <laughs> he's just maintained um, his standard. But I understand what people say about, returning to form in terms of um the genre the genre and even just telling a story from a children's perspective because he's done that several times as well and he does it really well yeah um but yeah the institute itself i think is it's a great book and i do recommend it um it's long but i read it super fast i don't think you put that book down no. while I saw you when any kind of break that you had, you, you had that book in your hands and, yeah. and this was, you, you, you got it last week. Yeah. I mean, you, you read it for five days straight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a, <laughs> but page. you're a machine. You're, you're an incredible, but it's a voracious turner. reader. If a book doesn't grab me, if it doesn't grab me, then I won't necessarily read it that quickly. Mm. Um, which is sort of a, double-edged sword because you don't you want a book good book to last but <laughs> when you when you read it ravenously you have to know. yeah you have to know and the, that's the that's the reason i couldn't put it down yeah. is i had to know what happened yeah because i really couldn't i was telling my coworker this today i could not guess and i was near the end i was in the last quarter of the book and i still mm. didn't know how it was going <laughs> to end and I, you know that's like that's so great when you find a book that you can't guess the ending. Yeah, where it kind of leaves it to the very last yeah. pages to be concluded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the master at work, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, so the Institute, it's out now in your local bookstores, at your local library. Check go, it out. Go check it out. Try it out, Try folks. Try it out. Try it out. And, uh, oh, Santino Fontana read the audiobook. Cool. What? Santino Fontana, he's an, a Broadway actor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in, he was in uh, Frozen. In Frozen, that's right. Mm-hmm. Was he? He was Hans. Prince Hans. Mm-hmm. Oh, that douchebag. Yeah, he's really good though. Oh, but I, I love like it. it. I no, love it when Broadway actors read audiobooks because they're so good. Oh yeah. Like Raul yeah. Esparza read. Um, he read Under the Dome. Under the Dome. Oh, yeah, man. that was really, really good. good. We yeah. got that here. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I'm gonna have to listen to some he's of that. Real good. <laughs> I just, I, I really expected him to break out in a song, though. <laughs> Someone to hold me too close. Oh, yeah, he's in company. Oh, man, do you remember that when I they played do. it on PBS? That yeah. shit was amazing. We watched that a lot. I I think that might have been one of my favorite 
plays and one of my favorite renditions mm-hmm. of a play. It's really good. That it, it just completely stripped everything down mm-hmm. and it was it was so wonderful. Uh, but anyway, I'm, I digress here. Um, you want to tink to yeah, Stephen King? Yeah, let's tink to Stephen King. Here we go, oh, y'all. And speaking of Stephen King, I'm going to read Dr. Sleep next <laughs> because it's Halloween time. And Halloween is the time for spooks. Time for spooky scary. Yeah, and Here the new the Doctor Sleep movie is coming out at the end of the month. So you got to be ready. Yeah, I can't believe I haven't read it yet. I'm I love yeah, the Shining. I, I haven't sh- read it yet. I think uh, I think the doc- Doctor Sleep was already out. It's been out I'd, for a few years now. When I'd read yeah. the Shining. So. But is is it just me or did everything kind of go by the wayside uh, for the last yeah, you know, couple I mean, of years? I don't know. I've been trying to. There's so many Stephen King books, just yeah. so many. I'm doing the audiobooks now, because just because it's a lot easier. Yeah, like, he's written over 50 books. Like yeah. that's what his bio said. The <laughs> Most of them New York Times bestsellers, because yeah. he's just a mammoth of the uh, yeah what he would call the pulp genre. He had a yeah. great um, afternote in his in this book about his friend and family doctor who was actually the inspiration for a few books of oh, his. Oh, really? Yeah, and, like, ideas of his were, um... Oh, it's the furnace. Ideas <laughs> of his that became aspects of really famous books. And he he passed away last year. Oh, and this book, sucks. this book was actually um, born out of an idea that that, that friend gave him. So he was actually, when he retired from being a doctor, he became his research assistant. Oh, wow. And so they went to Texas when he was writing 112263, and like he helped him with all that research. Oh, shit. Like he that really, sucks. yeah, he really uh, was a huge part of, especially later on. That's so sad. Um, of his writing. So. That's losing a friend. Yeah, it was sad. God damn it. Getting <laughs> old sucks. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we hope that he's he's finding solace in the fact that he memorialized his friend in a way mm-hmm. and honored him with uh, a new work yeah. that he brought to life. So um, shout out to Stephen King, the master. So you want to move on? Okay. Let's, let's move on to the next uh, order of business here. Uh, we can kind of touch on this. I don't know that it'll be necessary, but... Um, Let's move on to uh, back to politics a little bit. You want to okay. do that? Yeah. You had some big news. What happened today? Yeah, I, I sent you this article at the end of my work day because <laughs> um, it came up in my feed. And uh, so today the ambassador to Ukraine, William Taylor, um, came forward and testified in a closed, I believe it was closed door meeting, right. um, that he had evidence that there was a quid pro quo agreement in the Ukraine call. Like, with there was a quid pro quo agreement between, well, I use the word agreement loosely, with Because it was, it was coming Ukraine. from one side. Yeah. Essentially, the thing that the president and Rudy Giuliani had been accused of was essentially forcing Ukraine to do what, what the U.S. wanted, in in exchange for help and money for the aid that was already allocated for the, for the aid that was already allocated designated. to to sort of combat Russia militarily and politically so this is what they've been telling us is that no 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 there was no quid pro quo which is like the main um sort of landmark thing 
that makes what he did illegal. Right. Because you can't use foreign influence in exchange for something else to further your own campaign. And essentially what they were saying was there was no quid pro quo. Everything's cool. Like, relax. And this guy came out and was like, no. We're pretty sure that there was quid pro quo. He's sure of it. He wrote a 15-page written testimony. Um, Taylor's hours of answers are not publicly known. Yeah. So, anyway, this is a big deal. Yeah. And it's as official as it gets, really, because they... I mean, we already knew this garbage was happening, and now that somebody's actually publicly saying somebody who is who has been in that position for he he's, replaced the previous one, right? Yeah, he's he's um, he's been a, but he's been a diplomat for like forty years, right? Like so he's it, a seasoned embat, like a seasoned diplomat, right? You can't toss this this no. evidence aside. He's or this not. Commentary. He served in the military for this country. He served as a public servant. For decades, he is newly the um, the ambassador to Ukraine, but only after the previous one was pushed out, which was actually Marie Yovanovitch, Yovanovitch mm-hmm, uh, was abruptly withdrawn. Yeah, after facing having faced a smear campaign from the White House, and he also talks about how he felt about that as well, which was not good. <laughs> what what was the circumstance? Was she ousted? Essentially, yeah, she yeah. was pushed out. Yeah. Well, it says. Um, can you scroll up just a tiny bit? Um, let's see. Taylor, yeah, a respected diplomat who served as ambassador to Ukraine in the George W. Bush administration, wrote that he was reluctant to accept an interim appointment to the mm. same post again yeah. after Marie Yovanovitch was abruptly withdrawn, having faced a smear campaign from the White House. So he didn't really want the job because he didn't want to take the place of a, of a colleague. Oh, my word. So this is, I don't know, man. I This seems like a big deal. But every time something comes out like this, it does seem like a big deal and nothing happens. Well, you know what his, uh, his um, spokesperson said, right? He just Mulvaney. Said, Mulvaney, yeah. He, he said, you know, this stuff is going to happen all the time. Get over it. Yeah. How, how are we expected to, to fight that? I mean, if the, if the people on the, on the right side of this... And by that I mean the actual the conservative oh, right, the conservative, the conservative right, and they're not not going to get on board with with this stuff after seeing this kind of evidence. I don't believe that there's any hope for impeachment to be successful, yeah. even with this stuff out in the open. And and I think that's that's the problem that even if you do get it passed by the House and up to the Senate, I mean it's not going to get anywhere, and mm-hmm. it's just going to it's it's going to devalue the importance of the process. You know what I'm saying? Like the the yeah, I think that um, I feel like there has to be a point where the evidence is too clear for anybody to say, nah, that's not really good enough. Yeah. You and know, this is this is just you grasping at straws because that's essentially what they're saying. You're grasping at straws. This is dumb. And I feel like unless the Republicans feel like not going through with the impeachment process is going to further their own ends. You know, if they, if something really big happens, say this is big enough for something like that to happen. And the Republicans are the ones stonewalling it when it's clear that this needs to happen. History will not be kind to those elected officials. Yeah. And we're talking 200 years from now, babe. 
No, we're That's... talking like well, Watergate. I mean, the people who, <laughs> you know, who stonewalled Watergate are like, you know, people look at them now and they're like, geez, dummies. Like, didn't you yeah. see what was right in front of your face? Yeah, but at the at the same time, you had people like fucking uh, G. Gordon Libby. What's his name? Mm. One of the one of the main guys in the in in the Watergate thing. He mm-hmm. was making TV appearances thirty years after the fact. Mm. So in, in a way, they they still find some kind of resurgence. But my my whole feeling on this is that they're gonna ride this out until people lose interest, mm-hmm. and and then which it's will be, be tomorrow. Which will be tomorrow, and yeah. then it'll be business as usual. Because what happens is this stuff comes out, and then you know, Mister. Twitter in chief, whatever is, you know, his face, he's going to start smearing this whole process. And he's it, already it's, started. Yeah. It's, he called it a lynching. Yeah. A lynching. Mm-hmm. For God's sake. And Lindsey Graham was there right next to him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally a lynching. Dressed like Yosemite Sam. Like, oh, yeah. It's okay. a lynching. And, and I got to tell you, I'm, I'm just going to derail this for just a moment. But have you seen anyone? as overtly disgusting of an opportunist as Lindsey Graham. Aside from Mitch McConnell, no. No, I mean, I I legitimately (laughs) believe, at at least McConnell, you always knew that Mm -hmm. he was a piece of shit. But for the longest time, Lindsey Graham was best friends with John McCain. Yeah. And they were the stewards of the the party, upholding those values left and right. He was anti-Trump. And then the moment that... He was given an opportunity to make amends with Trump. He immediately become started becoming his his mm-hmm. you know backup choir, yeah. and the fact that he made that turn within two years of when McCain died. I mean, how long was that? Yeah. When did McCain die? Not long ago, a year ago, maybe. He passed like a year ago, and now he's talking about how Trump is being treated, mm-hmm. and and how he's comparing this to a lynching. Uh, mm-hmm. I find that repulsive and. And really revealing mm-hmm. about the kind of person that he is, a, a horrible opportunist. Yeah, I'd like to say that that's not the case for most of these politicians, but it definitely is. Yeah. So. And. Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't really know. I don't know if anything I, is going to come of this. I think the Democrats will enact some kind of impeachment proceedings after this. They'd be. Yeah. They'd be stupid not to. Yeah. This is this is the straw. Yeah. So well, and they were saying that um, essentially it was like they were calling it like a shadow government, not government, a shadow operation going on mm. alongside the mainstream foreign policy toward Ukraine. So it was like. It was very essentially what Taylor said was that this was not going through the normal official channels of diplomacy Mm. and that it was very disturbing to him that this was happening Mm. and that Giuliani was really the one that was pulling the strings. And and you remember that Giuliani has no clearance to do any of this. No. Trump just just he's a fucking attorney. All he is 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 his personal attorney. He has no (laughs) He has no right to be doing any of this. It's oh, crazy. God. Yeah. That'd be like Trump inviting like his dentist to come in and like sit in on a, you know, in the situation room with them. Like what? Nepotism. So dumb. Rascalism. Rascalism. <laughs> I'm voting for Homer Stokes. Mm-hmm. No, he w- he wouldn't take care of me. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't help me out. 
face miscegenated. <laughs> these boys, these boys ain't miscegenated. <laughs> they ain't even old timing. <laughs> oh my uh, god! For those of you who haven't seen a brother, where art thou? You're missing out. You're missing out on this inside joke. Yeah, our horrible impressions do not do it justice. So He's check it. <laughs> these boys, these boys ain't miscegenated. <laughs> Anyway. He's a fan of the little guy. He ain't lying. <laughs> I kind of feel like that's what we're going to see. It's happening. This is the world we're living in. Homer Stokes 2020. I really hope you Trump has my a... Yang hat I really hope floor. Trump hires a little person to sweep the stage. Because <laughs> that's what gets the people it's going. Clean in house. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Harold. Okay, let's, uh, let's see. So what do you think? Do you think they're going to proceed with impeachment? I don't fucking know. I don't know. I need a yay or nay. No, I have no faith. I have no faith in this process. Well, I think this is this is what's going to happen. The most embarrassing thing is going to be they're going to go ahead and then they're just going to shit the bed and nothing's going to happen. They're not going to get enough Republicans on board to do this. And this is going to be a laughing stock. A hundred percent. I did hear I guarantee that. It. I did hear that. Um, You're going to like the way of, your government fails. A bunch of Republican lawmakers met with Mick Mulvaney at Camp David. Mm. And the the reporters that they were talking about it on NPR were like, that's a big deal. Mm. Because the, essentially what was happening, likely was happening, was Republican lawmakers going, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. What is going on? Why are yeah. you doing this? Yeah. Like, this is not... This it's is not procedure. This, this is not, not making any of us look good. Right. We have to support you, and, and it's not making us look and good. And you know, somebody made a really good point that uh, Mulvaney, because he comes from the private sector and, and he, he is a, a wealthy individual taking on this position, uh, uh, somebody mentioned that, I can't remember if this was on The Daily or, or another uh, podcast like that, where the notion of, of somebody with that much power coming into a government position where they're there are these kinds of, of rules that are supposed to be kept in place and they have no understanding or regard of what that's like because they're, they're not being told because they're being told what to do and they've never really been used to that. It's, it's a jarring thing for them and they choose to do it their own way in the mm -hmm. way that they, they are comfortable with. That's how this whole administration works. Yeah. Like none they, of they these just, people that they he's don't give put, a fuck about the rules that he's put in positions of, of like cabinet positions are people that know anything about how government works. Mm -hmm. All they know is the private sector. Yeah. So, yeah, they're going to operate it like they're fucking businesses. Yeah. And they will completely disregard the existing, uh, yeah, safeguards. Mm -hmm. Quote, unquote, safeguards, because they, yeah, but they're then not you know, But then, you know, like the arguments like, well, it hasn't been working in the past, so maybe it's a good thing they're doing it different. It's like, <laughs> all right, motherfucker. Well, as soon as our democracy crum crumbles and we have no allies anymore. Yeah, yeah. let's see how great that works. Yeah. Uh, I'm tired. As the British hooligans would say, I'm tired, Robbie. <laughs> the tired Arsenal fans. Yeah. Whatever. Fuck this. I yeah, say I have, go for impeachment. I have no uh I have no faith, fam. All right. All no right, faith, blood. blood. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm not going to let's not take to, to this shit. They let's not waste a, a good tank. No. Let's no. let's move on to the next thing. So <laughs> Do you want to talk about something pleasant, something upbeat? Yeah. Yeah, so 
when was it two nights ago we watched a great great holiday film that we wanted to uh to mm-hmm. cover for you all we watched the nightmare before christmas a goddamn masterpiece by tim burton well well no story he, by he tim produced burton. it Poor Henry, poor Henry Selick. He always yeah, gets he the gets, short end of the stick. He but, really gets no credit because yeah. I didn't know his name. Yeah, look at this guy. He did Coraline. He did Nightmare Before Christmas. James and the Giant Peach. I mean, the man is amazing, but it all goes to the brand that mm-hmm. is Tim Burton. Yeah. What's up with Tim Burton these days? Is he doing anything worthwhile? I don't know. Speaking of Tim Burton and detracting from what we were actually talking about. Um, Beetlejuice yeah, he's, too. Huh? He's about he's about done. He did Dumbo. He did Dumbo. Yeah, I. Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. I didn't see that movie. Yeah, I stopped at at probably Sweeney Todd. I maybe think I saw Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, it, it the shtick got old, you know. It yeah. Was, but um, I got to tell you, okay, my many people would disagree with me on this, but Big Fish has to be his most yeah um accomplished one. film. I would yeah, say. I agree. It's a very grown-up movie. That and uh, Ed Wood. Uh, I've never seen that. Personal opinion over here. But let's come back to another great masterpiece, The Nightmare Before Christmas. What's the feeling you get when you watch this movie? It's just a feel-good movie. And it's so funny and quirky and disturbing and scary. And I don't know. It just it has so much to offer. The blend of the horrific and the tender in one frame. Mm-hmm. Like it happens every single moment. Yeah. Uh, like um what's the one where I'm trying to think of when the mayor's going up and he's all like, like happy <laughs> and then he's all oh, evil yeah. and like well, the, he, he freaks The mayor, me out. yeah, the mayor has two faces. He has like his happy face. Yeah. But so the senior thing of is when he goes up when he's uh gonna talk to Jack about plans for next year. Uh-huh. And he's like ringing his doorbell and he's not answering, and then mm-hmm. his face turns to like this sad, scary face. Yeah, yeah. And it's so ab- it's so abrupt and mm-hmm. spooky. Oh no, but the one that I was thinking was the kids. Mm-hmm. The little henchman oh, kids, yeah, those yeah, yeah. those the little guys, they freak me out a lot. Yeah, they're pretty spooky. <laughs> what the fuck's going on? <laughs> but our son really did enjoy the movie. He's normally yeah. Uh, it's so funny because he's usually not. He's usually not game for anything movies. remotely scary. Yeah, not anything remotely scary. And so I didn't think he would like this movie, but he wanted he wanted he requested it this year because yeah. we watched it a lot last year. But the music gets him through. I think the, yeah. the break and and sort of the joy of of the soundtrack. He likes um he likes Jack, and yeah. Jack is sort of he's like the least offensive character in this movie like mm-hmm. fit like uh, like um appearance wise yeah, yeah he's actually like a really cute skeleton uh-huh. and you know it kind of makes up for like all the secondary characters that are horrifying yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> i think that kind of gets him through too and he yeah. really loves the scene where jack goes to christmas town mm-hmm. like i think that's like his favorite scene is when he's <laughs> discovering all the christmas stuff which it's yeah. so adorable like and it it's such a delight watching that because we remember watching that movie mm-hmm. and experiencing sort of that feeling uh however long ago it was 60 years ago or whatever it came out in 93 yeah and and now getting to to see that with him and the joy yeah. that that our son gets from it is is just a, a great reward mm-hmm. so watching those family movies uh is is definitely one of those things that we yeah, we're definitely getting to appreciate right now. Yeah, and this God, the music in this movie is so brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like it yeah. holds up. Danny Elfman's finest hour, I would say. Yeah, I really think so. I don't think 
Normally, this is kind of sad, but normally in a Tim Burton movie, I'm like, Jesus, Danny Elfman, like tone it, <laughs> tone down. it down. Yeah, yeah. Because it's so dramatic, but it works so perfectly right. in this movie. And I, I contend that the two scores where his music actually lives super comfortably in are this movie and Red Dragon. Oh, he did Red Dragon? He did Red, Red Dragon, and I think that's one of the finest scores for any movie ever. Yeah. His best score, in my opinion. Yeah. Because it fits the tone. It generates that kind of operatic mm-hmm. feeling, but it fits within that realm. And the same with this. I mean, it. this is the only world where his music belongs. That and mm-hmm. maybe an Boingo music video. <laughs> but, yeah. But generally, I mean, we're seeing, you know, uh, a great musician in his natural habitat. You know, right where he belongs. Yeah, and he also voices Jack, or at least his singing voice. Does he right. do his speaking voice too? I thought I thought that he did, but let's confirm while we're on IMDb because no, Chris Sarandon is Jack Skellington's voice. Oh, okay. But Somebody else but, but Danny Elfman does his singing voice. Look at this cast. You have Catherine, Catherine O'Hara, O'Hara as Sally. You got Paul Rubens, who's Locke. Oh yeah, I can kind of hear it now. <laughs> she sounds like Moira shit. Like, oh, okay. like Moira Rose. Moira Rose. From Shit's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> she sort of has that ethereal. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for her voice. Greg Proops is in this. Oh, He's the nice. Harlequin demon. Nice. Um, the supporting characters in this film they're are so good. out of this world. They're, they really they're like amazing. stick. Oh, God. I was laughing so hard at the part where um, at the number, with, um, something's up with Jack. Yeah. And it's very like, something's up, you know, like very like. <laughs> Ethereal. You told, you told and me the, <laughs> the wolf the wolf like comes through the scene and very like theatrically and yeah, just, he, like I can't remember what his line what line he sings, but it's very theatrical and he just like glides off the scene. No, you, he does he does a twirl yeah. and then off stage and then yeah. you, like you can almost see him backstage like, oh how'd it go? Yeah, it's so oh my god. It's so like uh, it just makes me laugh. Any, the, anything that reminds me of like musical theater kids just yeah, makes me yeah. laugh so hard. The one that gets me is uh making Christmas mm-hmm. and you see the, the big weird guy hauling the shit and he's like making Christmas <laughs> <laughs> so it's like yeah. wheeling his bag of creepy shit or, you know, yeah. uh, yeah. Decapitated oh. heads or whatever. I love it. Um, but <laughs> probably the, the standout though is the boogeyman. He's one oh, of the great, yeah. uh, great bad guys yeah. in, uh, in not just a kid's film, but any film. Yeah. And he's sassy too. Yeah. We love how sassy he is. <laughs> Yeah, it's really he's yeah. the best. Um, but that part is also disgusting. So yeah. we won't ruin it if you guys haven't seen it, but check out. No, the I'm nightmare. gonna ruin it. Okay, you go he's ahead. He's a you... burlap sack full of roaches, like <laughs> full of bugs. It's disgusting. It, it's thirty years old, guys. You you, yeah, you need to should see have seen it already. It's a horrific reveal <laughs> at the end. It still gives me like shivers. Yeah, I, I still it's, get squeamish. I think it's interesting, like you know, there's been a lot of innovations in animation and, you know, particularly that kind of animation, sort of the, the stop motion. Yeah. But it still holds up, I think. Like, yeah, there's it, parts of it that look a little clunky, but I I feel like I love the old claymation where you could literally see the fingerprints of the animator that made that mm-hmm. 
sculpture. Yeah. And it's it's that tactile mm-hmm. thing where like this thing is alive. Yeah. This isn't something that's computer generated. It's it's sure something that you can you can almost like acknowledge your mind working on two levels where you know that somebody made it move, mm-hmm. but yet it feels as if it has its own autonomy, like its own, you know, it's making its own choices. Mm-hmm. And and it hits in in such a like a visceral way to to see the little thing move. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's super amazing. Yeah, you can't have a lot of those connections anymore mm-hmm. with with newer animated films. Yeah. I, I don't think. Or it's like when you watch old Disney movies and you can see the imperfections. Yeah. In the drawn yeah. characters, like how they weren't, because there's no computers, so they were literally just having to trace trace the character from the previous frame and make Mm -hmm. it a little bit different and so there was like these tiny like almost imperceptible sometimes mistakes yeah in the lining or the well you know what that is it's it's the humanity yeah it's the humanity that that is passed on yeah through that that little bit of creation there Mm -hmm. and you you really can't convey that in the same way Mm -hmm. digitally it doesn't it doesn't really work maybe down the road i mean yeah, but We're I think it's far away. I think it's just sort of the natural progression of pro- of you know of technology. You know, the mm-hmm. the stuff now is so smooth and s- it looks so so very, good. It's very clean. Yeah, it's very clean. Yeah. There's not a lot of imperfections. Mm-hmm. But you know, you, if you want to see that, you just go back thirty or forty years or fifty years, <laughs> and you'll you'll get your fill. You, you see that. Yeah. And and because we're we're Disney Plus horse, uh, I guess it's. It's time to get excited for that. It's coming. <laughs> it's here. Yeah, Disney Disney Plus. It is. It comes out on November twelfth. Yeah, and you signed us up already, huh? I did. What's the first movie that we're gonna watch? Pete's Dragon. Pete's Dragon. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. That's, because that's a good pass. I got it from the library, and it was scratched <laughs> as shit, and it wouldn't play, and I was so disappointed. Yeah, I I heard you he yelling. There. Our son was super into it. Like he was. He was ready because, like, he saw the dragon, uh-huh. you know, like, um, the little boy is riding the dragon, but he's invisible. The mm-hmm. dragon is invisible. Mm-hmm. And then he, like, appears and they're eating apples off the tree. And I was like, yes. Uh, yeah. And then it stopped playing. Oh, for fuck's sake. It's very sad. Come on, library. Yeah. Come well, on. Well, you know, it's like. It, it is what it is. Yeah. Four-year-old kids put the discs in their mouths and then they <laughs> put it back in the case and return it. That's why we need to support our local library so they can afford more copies of Pete's Dragon. Yeah. Uh, for the next month and then we're going to get Disney Plus <laughs> and then fuck the library. Right? Yeah. Is that Sorry, what we're getting library. at? Sorry. Um, but yeah, I think I would want to watch Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Mm, that's a good one. That I movie, that I, I haven't time. seen in, in easily 25 years. Yeah. And I can't wait to see it. If they have it. I mean, I, I didn't sure look at the catalog, do. but they have to have it. They have it. them all, don't they? Except the racist ones. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they're even going to put yeah. those out. They're just going to play like the, the actual a, song of the uh, song the, of the South, you know, just yeah. like the zippity-doo-dah and, and that's it. For that's the sake of transparency, get. maybe they'll put them all out. Yeah. It's going to have like those big flashing words at the top. This is a product of its time. Oh, yeah. Please don't sue us. Yeah, yeah. Please uh, don't tweet Warner this. Warner Brothers did that with um, with, uh, with Bugs Bunny. Uh, oh, my God. You Remember? want to tell, tell them about the, the yeah, animations yeah, yeah, yeah. that we okay. were watching? Holy so, shit. Well, we have – I have DVDs of – of old Bugs Bunny cartoons, so old Looney Those Tunes. Weren't, these weren't the DVDs. These were the ones on on the online. Um, oh, on Amazon. Yeah, yeah, they were they were something packaged on Amazon. Yeah, but they didn't have that disclaimer. The ones that were on the DVDs had those disclaimers. 
Okay, well, regardless. Okay, so anyway, the the ones that I'm thinking of are the Looney Tunes DVDs, and there's one collection of them. They don't all have this, but there's a disclaimer for a few of them that says something to the effect of, you know, these cartoons were a product of their time. They do not represent the, the opinions, the of- thoughts of Warner Brothers or the associated companies, blah, 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 blah. And because these old cartoons are... That particular section was made in... During the 40s. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, like, they during- were they were made in the 40s. And I mean, yeah, the 40s was the big phase, the big time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the particular cartoons that they were talking about are usually... They usually entail Yosemite Sam as a Confederate soldier... <laughs> Bugs Bunny is like the Yankee, you know, he took a little wrong turn at Albuquerque and he ended up on the other side of the Mason-Dixon line or whatever in the South. And um, there's one that's really bad. Um, And Bugs Bunny. So somebody's doing his thing and chasing Bugs Bunny around and Bugs Bunny is suddenly dressed as a black person in like a hobo jacket with like a, a rucksack over his shoulder and oh, he's no he's in blackface and was this the one that you that did we see this one yeah i'm sure we did seeing this one. i think i skipped over it okay <laughs> but he says he says he said don't hit me massa he's like oh, doing Jesus like the Christ. slave thing and i was like oh my god skip, skip. this is so bad like you know when you see and the disclaimer you're like, you're like oh come on it's not that bad it can't be you that know bad. Yeah. like it's probably like there's guns or smoking or something in there yeah. but no it was bad Damn. well the one i was thinking about was was the one where bugs bunny goes to war and he's he's mm-hmm. in uh behind enemy lines in oh, germany and- no it was davy duck it, it was, was Daffy, Daffy Duck. Duck. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was Daffy Duck. Yeah. And uh, there was the German general. Yeah. And it was just like Mel Blanc just fucking making noise. Oh, yeah. And uh, so that one. Yeah. So yeah. in that it, one, they, it was definitely like World War II propaganda, which is a lot of what they use these cartoons for during mm-hmm. that time. Yeah. It was to make fun of the Germans or the Japanese or whoever. And they, oh, in yeah, this particular one, they... So all the like the German, the villain of the cartoon was like the German soldier or like the German general who looked a lot like Hitler. Yeah. And he was very effeminate and mm. like uh, Mel Blanc just doing like a bullshit <laughs> German yeah, accent, was, you know, it was but, like, but it yeah, was very, broad. but it was very like homophobic and uh-huh. like, you know, you could tell what they were going for. Yeah, like, exactly. exactly what they you were trying knew to what do. they were trying to do. And um But they did that and, and also like they had the uh the Japanese like fighters, mm-hmm. you know, on the on the planes. Oh and yeah. They were just making their like the kamikazes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and Yeah, and then you like making fun of the accents right, and the eyes right. and yeah. yeah. It was ooh, ooh. cringy shit, man. Yeah, it's it was it was next level. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that like, one that one needed a disclaimer too. <laughs> like we gotta we gotta fast forward through these. Luckily our son um yeah, that's a right. hard – That's a, for those of you who aren't parents or not parents yet, that's a hard – those are hard waters to navigate mm. because I can guarantee you our parents never thought of that shit. No. And, and, and that was – you know, those cartoons were well after my parents' time even. And, right. You know, it just never came up. It was never something that was right. talked about. We never – I mean, I can't say I saw that particular cartoon with Yosemite <laughs> Sam, but it just wasn't – 
don't know. I watched Dumbo, you know, which is so racist. Yes. And, you know, but it's a little bit more subtle than yeah. than some of the other ones, but not that subtle when you really pay attention to it. That was pretty, it. pretty aggressive. I mean, even yeah. by the standards of, of saying like me growing up, I, I remember us laughing at Speedy Gonzalez. That was always yeah. the thing. Like we didn't take it seriously. It was just what it was. Mm-hmm. But even on that, like taking that into account, that shit was far mm-hmm. beyond racist and, and, and mean-spirited as mean-spirited as you got i thought speedy or dumbo no like like dumbo like yeah. the dumbo shit from from yeah a while back yeah. um but uh the one thing that i took away from this which i thought was really interesting the the level of of creative freedom that you saw in some of those cartoons was insane mm-hmm. like the last movie that was or short film that was featured in that collection and i can't remember again if it was a rental from the library or something on Amazon that was just bundled together was the Casper the Friendly Ghost one, mm-hmm. where Casper is feeling lonely as hell because people are, are scared of him on Earth. And he looks ghost. up at the moon and he's like, I'm just going to go to the moon. So that fucker flies to the moon. <laughs> and then he gets in a fight with the, the moon people. Yeah. And it was just like an LSD trip. Yeah, it really was. Um, and it was so beautiful and so unique and, and insanely clever. And then ultimately he helps these moon people fight the bad tree people or whatever mm-hmm. the hell they were and i was just sitting back like i don't know what the fuck is going on <laughs> but i'm loving it yeah. it's it, it was incredibly bizarre and i i thought it was really mm-hmm. really unique so uh if anything they had a little bit more freedom to uh to create interesting stuff uh you know hopefully there's more of that and less of of the uh of the racist uh yeah cringy shit yeah. out there i don't know uh, but anyway, um, good stuff. Let's uh, tink to Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, no, Nightmare Before Christmas. A nightmare Before Christmas. Sorry. <laughs> Did I completely derail? I am excited co- about Disney Plus. There's a lot of movies that I don't own. Yeah, it'll be good we'll stuff. we'll be able to watch. Yeah. Oh, so. oh no, we're not going to talk about The Little Mermaid till later. That'll yeah, yeah, we, we got to hold off. Yeah, it's got to be for November because we, we still have to do one more spooky scary for October. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. Next. Yeah, yeah. Week. We yeah, yeah. we only okay. got one more podcast to go. Okay. And then Little Mermaid will be coming up at the beginning of November. So, I think that 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 covers it for us. But is there anything else that's on your mind that you really want to get out there? Did we want to watch the Star Wars trailer? Yes, or because we, we had wanna... been we had been talking about this. We're gonna try something new, folks. We wanted to watch the Star Wars trailer. So, I don't know how great this is gonna work. <laughs> You don't think so? In audio, they're not gonna be able to see it. It doesn't matter. They've probably seen this before. Okay, We're like four true. days behind, behind every single person. They premiered this we'll on okay. Monday Night Football, I guess. So, oh, okay. do they? All right, so we're gonna watch the trailer to the Star uh, Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. All right, you might hear some oohs and ahs, so I apologize. Let's see. Oh, oh, here he comes! I love Kylo Ren with all of his feelings. Oh, fuck that guy. Is he still alive? Or I thought is they the... killed him. Is it um, Palpatine? No, it's, it's Palpatine. It's Palpatine. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Brew it. <laughs> Stew it. Hmm. <laughs> See, uh, it's getting pretty sad now. I have a trouble. I can't ever remember what happened in the last one. 
They got in a fight in space. Oh, yeah. And then Luke Skywalker disappeared. Yes. Okay. The saga will end. My ass. <laughs> I'm just going to keep making these till the forever. The spinoff will begin. <laughs> God, I love Adam Driver so much. Okay, okay. That's enough. <laughs> Okay. A lot of fanfare there. It's a lot of, uh, yeah, it's a lot of stuff going on. Um, yeah, first thoughts, reactions on this. Um, I don't know. It looks pretty. You just say that because of Adam Driver. I have no, well, like the the landscapes and stuff. I just have no investment in it. So I'm just like, yay, another Star Wars movie. You know, we'll watch it. We'll enjoy it. I know how I feel about Avengers. I'm like, oh, there's another one? Great. Well, we do. We do. I I don't know. I I feel excited for the Avengers. How many are they making? (laughs) 20. It's the burnout syndrome. That's all. But I think it'll be be good. It'll be enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. I'll go see it. Well, that was fun. That was that was exciting. Uh, mm-hmm. Let us know if you guys are excited for the uh, new Star Horse. And uh, Star Horse. <laughs> How did you say it like that? Horse. <laughs> not not the other thing. But anyway, uh, do you wanna do you wanna close up? Yeah, guys. So um, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Let can us they, know your thoughts. Can they do that on other platforms? Oh yeah, they can. Okay. They can leave us comments or reviews well, anywhere. Apple Podcasts, any which place, is the weird one where the reviews actually matter. Like they mm-hmm. they base like on the algorithm. The algorithm is like review based. Mm-hmm. So you can be like a super popular podcast, but have not enough reviews, and you're super low on the list. And you'll be tanking. So yeah. So and you can also email us at ourkidsasleep at gmail dot com. Let us know your life, your feelings, what we should talk about next. And we hope that you all have a wonderful, wonderful midweek and uh, also a wonderful weekend. All right. Good night, guys. Bye.